Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast don't have a lot of uh, live college football left, so soak it up while we got it. Maybe even share it with a couple friends and family members over Thanksgiving if you if you would. Um, one thing I want to start out by saying is, and I, I, we kind of talked about it on the last podcast, uh, but we can still talk about this now. Uh, as we just said, there's only one full weekend of Big Ten football yep. left, which is right. hor- horrifically sad to me. Goes by fast. Boy, do I get used to it too. Um, and, and again, it just, man, that's not the, I was going to say it just means more. That's not the term. No, that, uh, not appropriate on this cast. Uh, uh, it, it just felt deeper this year after the previous well, yeah. doodle year to of have course. it back to normal and everything. So it's going to be tough to see it go. But what I'm getting at is we still have five teams available to get to Indianapolis, and we still have one week left. I'm not saying that's the absolute best you could have going into the final weekend. It's pretty damn close, though. But it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, so uh, the only two teams, or only three teams that still uh, control their own destiny are Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. But Iowa and yep. Minnesota is still very much alive. Yep. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Michigan State was still alive going into the weekend. Purdue was still alive. So there was a lot of things that a lot of teams were still fighting for. Uh, a lot of teams still fighting for bowl games. All of that was happening yesterday. To me, it all mixed together for a, a good day overall uh, of yeah, football. I, but there were some bad games, some, yeah. some blowouts, but there were some really good games too. Yeah. Um, and then it was fun football. I thought all around. I thought it was. I mean, out of the seven games, five were blowouts. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is. It's going to happen at some point like that. Two good ones. Um, but adding to the enjoyment that Buckeye fans had on Saturday was Oregon just getting absolutely boat raced by Utah. So one would hope that the college football playoff committee, as it's Sunday, and we won't have a chance to record until their release on Tuesday night, one would hope that with that, and Alabama not looking great mm-hmm. against a pretty good but not great Arkansas team. Do you think maybe they'll they'll do the intelligent thing and put Ohio State second mm. when the rankings are out on Tuesday night? No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's been some other DMs and snap or chat rooms that I've that was, I so, so was Cincy up to five, six. They were no si- shoot. They were they were five right because Michigan was six. And then Michigan State was yeah, seven. five. Michigan was six. I Michigan wonder, was six. Michigan State was seven. I wonder if they leapfrog uh, Michigan over Cincinnati and get them that, into there's the top a chance. four. Yeah. There's a chance of that. I can see that happening. Yep. I, I would not be surprised. If, if I'm going to make a prediction, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I'm just too glass half full. But I think it'll be a Georgia number one, obviously. Yep. I think they're going to move Ohio State to two. Well, here's why they uh, they might. Let's see. So if, if Michigan is in the final four. And you got so you got two Big Tens and you got two SECs. They're not going to want the the two conferences to face off in the 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 semifinal game, right? right? So they'd match they'd match, you know, SEC versus Big Ten, SEC yeah. versus. So two and three would be like. Well, but I guess, they don't want any miss. I mean, I don't know if I would put a lot of weight into that because there's still what do we got three weeks left. Of, of yeah. or two or whatever, right? So they can still, you know, yeah, move it around at the end. The one thing I would say, so my prediction would be Georgia one, Ohio State two, Alabama three. But it really doesn't matter who's two and three. It, well, not right now. Not it right obviously now. Obviously, does yeah. at the end. I think I th- I think it's I think it'll be Cincinnati four, but I can see Michigan being four as well. I preferably Michigan should be four. I just don't think there's as much on the resume that Cincinnati can point to no. that Michigan can point to. Um, the other thing is if they did keep uh, Georgia one, Alabama two, okay, um, Ohio State three, and then whether it's Michigan or Cincinnati four and five, whatever. But if Ohio State beats Michigan, then they can say that's the resume builder to then possibly move 
uh, Ohio State up to two mm-hmm. and Alabama three before the what seems to be the inevitable 12 and 0 Georgia versus 11 and one Alabama SEC championship. So I think that's how that would go. I, I, I mean, I think 99.5% of the college football fans outside of the SEC, and I would say 80% of the fans inside the SEC that aren't Alabama fans do not want to see a two-loss Alabama getting in over a 13-0 Cincinnati. And I would right. also throw out a 12-1 Big 12 champion Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State seems to have uh, more goodwill with the court of public opinion than Oklahoma does right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, who kind of held on to beat a an okay and failing Iowa State team. Okay. Right. Um, I, I just think Oklahoma State has looked more dominant. So I, I just I just really hope that's how it goes. But we'll start to you, get an idea Tuesday night. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. That's a pretty looking Final Four for all you blue blood enthusiasts out Boy, there. I guess so. Now, I don't think Michigan would get into the college football playoff if they uh, got their second loss. No, 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 no. no. I, I, maybe Ohio State could if they finish 10 and two, but I also don't think that will happen. So I think essentially that game is, you know, is, is an elimination game. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, overall, if you were a Cincinnati, if you were a, a fan of highly ranked Ohio teams, you felt pretty good about how things wound up on Saturday. Yeah. Um, speaking of Ohio fans, uh, shout out to Jake at Jake Bushnell, winner of the Amador ah. tumbler and hat competition. <laughs> Um, I mean, he, so they, so again, what, what the was co- the final, what yeah. was the final yardage? So the competition was predicting the total passing yards in the game for Ohio state and Michigan state. Yep. I was going to have the tiebreaker be the Ohio state yards. And I just kind of figured that was too complicated. So he stuck away from it. Uh, Jake predicted 605 total yards. Okay. 607. No kidding. Was the total number. Wow. He missed it by two yards. And there was three or four people Right around there, I believe there was somebody that predicted six twelve. Okay, I well, so only so only five away, or maybe it was six eleven, and did not win. I wasn't too far away. Six thirty was my guess. Yeah, uh, the syndicate or the 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 big minds, as I was calling us. So thanks out to shout out to Dustin Shooty, Mister Ohio Standing Room Spartans, and my podcast partner Big Kurt. We were a little high. We had seven hundred and fourteen. So that was the Jake and a couple other people took us behind the woodshed for how close yeah. it was. Uh, but as we'll talk to when we get to this game, there it was over so quick that the passing yards weren't available to accrue at that point sure, because yeah. there was no need to throw the ball at that point. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that's cool. Go get Jake. You said yeah, his name, Jake. Congrats, Jake. Yeah. Um, and I double checked. He, even though there's no alcohol being sent, you can't do that. Uh, he is of drinking age, but he, he just barely made the cut. Oh, okay. <laughs> he can fill the Amador tumbler up with, with whatever With Amador so, whiskey. So good for Jake. All right, should we get into the games? Yes, sir. All right, these were the Week 12 games, seven games. All 14 teams were in action and all took place yesterday on Saturday, November 20th. First game up, Purdue 32, Northwestern 14. The Boilermakers with 423 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 303. So Purdue easily covered the 11, and, it, and at 46 total points, it just barely snuck under the 47.5 total. Yes, taking place, of course, at the unfriendly confines of Wrigley Field. I got a little action on the Twitters yesterday from, from my tweet if about you, Wrigley uh, Field. If you talk smack about Wrigley... A lot of fans will come out of the woodwork I mean, with their with their with their pitchforks and torches to come get you. Honestly, it's probably the first time ever that I just shamelessly did something that I knew would get negative attention just to get attention. I, as I, long I, as as long as you don't make it habit, it's kind of fun sometimes. It was fun. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Man, I got bashed by yeah. by everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, that's so basically true. you called Wrigley a dump. Yeah. Because uh, well, you're I, a White Sox fan. Okay. Well, that's part of the reason. Yeah, right. Okay. So, so I, you don't you, yeah, you don't think it's possible that that plays into your opinion. Of at all that's your white Sox. okay fan. i will tell you something else i am a white Sox fan why did i do why did i throw i just threw a rock in a hornet's nest i don't know what i'm thinking here old comiskey park dump okay glad they tore it down okay so there all right in fact worst stadiums ever number one wrigley number two uh was the old comiskey park it was terrible good job chicago you had the best I understand that as far as the modern amenities, it lacks that, but it makes up for it in charm. And I'll give a shout out to Dave Wisnowski, who's yeah. the so my here was my exact tweet. 
Wrigley Field is a dump. Prove me wrong. And nobody was proving me wrong. They, they were just, they were just, they were just saying, I love it, and you suck. And, well, Dave actually posted pictures. Like, cause, so Dave, he's an Illini. Yep. Good follow on the yep. Twitters. Good guy. I think he has season tickets, actually, to Wrigley. So he, he's, he goes to games all the time. So he posts just some, you know, some nice picturesque views of Wrigley. I'm like, okay, at least you're providing evidence. Something. Yeah. Somebody is providing evidence. So Listen, good job. Ev- here's the deal. <clears throat> Every time I go to Wrigley, I have a blast. I, I on game day uh, when the Cubs are playing, it it transforms into the biggest bar in the world because that's essentially what it is. You yeah. go there to drink and oh, have yeah. to catch a baseball game. So it has good feelings to me. Shout out to this will fold in perfectly. Shout out to uh, Milton Wright, eight catches, yeah. two hundred thirteen yards, three touchdowns, and then Dustin Shooty, our guy with the dad joke of the day. He said maybe they should call it. Uh, Instead of Wrigley Field, rightly field. So bad. Wah, wah. <laughs> so bad. But good job, Dustin. Yeah, we're, good we're, job. We're proud of you, but, but holy boy. cow, man. So here's here's what I was thinking as I'm watching Milton Wright absolutely dissect the Northwestern defense. It's like, it you know, they had Rondale Moore. They have David Bell. David Bell's going to be leaving. Now next year it's going to be the Milton Wright show. It's good. like It's like – you know, Wisconsin running backs, it's it's gotten to that point where they're just shuffling you, in yeah, awesome wide receivers. I mean, we will see how Milton Wright does without the the you know the defense it. focusing on David Bell, who, by the way, just a quiet 12 catches, 101 yards <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. Um, I mean, generally, what I uh, – that was statistically completely out of the norm for the Northwestern Wildcats yesterday, which is they got absolutely touched up through the air yeah. but didn't – didn't give up rushing yards. So basically what we're saying is that was a Purdue football game that happened yesterday and not a Northwestern one. Do you know what I mean? Because I mean, I did have some faith early on that Northwestern was going to be able to keep it close because of their secondary, their style of defense. Mm -hmm. But I think what happened from what I could tell is uh, Jeff Brown and Aiden O'Connell just said, you know what, let's just toss it right over top of them. And it worked. I mean, it worked because they normally dink and dunk. Yeah, that's right. Boom, right over top. That Boy, one. oh, that was they were that just was torching the adjustment. Them. Just that torching was, them down. Yep. And shout out to Xander Horvath. Can't believe that guy's not only playing, but he's I mean, he's all, ten carries, forty yards. It's not like a great game, but he led. That's them, what he does. He led them in rushing. That's what Xander that's, does. That's freaking awesome. Shout out to Aiden O'Connell, by the way. Twenty nine of thirty nine, four hundred twenty three yards, three touchdowns. I don't know. I maybe I'm just not thinking too deep, but I feel like he's kind of wrapped up. Second team, all Big Ten for quarterback. No, I think he has. Okay, all right. I think he has. And I wanted to say Josh Perry on Big Ten Network. I'm glad he verbalized this because we've actually kind of been saying, oh, you know, we were talking to Pick 6 previews about this offline, how great George Karlaftis is, even though he doesn't always show up on the stat sheet because they just they double-team him, they triple-team him. So he by by taking that away from the offense, he allows other people to make plays. And I think one of them today, uh, yesterday, was linebacker Jalen Alexander. Uh, 10 tackles, 1.5 tackles for loss. He had a great day. I'm trying to do a better job this week of calling out defensive players. Yeah, I know. I'm embarrassed that I haven't done a better job. We haven't done, yeah. Um, Another thing we got to make fun of ourselves, too, when we get to our game. It's going to bother me till my end of days. Um, But anyways, long story short, uh, the game was a a home game for Northwestern, but a Purdue game broke out. Northwestern, on the other hand, uh, they had – you know, kind of the combo of quarterback as they continually try to figure out what they're yeah. doing in the throw game. But Marty and Holinsky combined for 18 to 25, 159 yards, one touchdown, one pick. There just wasn't a, enough available big plays in this game for Northwestern to try to keep up with Purdue once they started bombing it. Evan Hole, a good day, 12, 25 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Like I was thinking, if you if you combine these two teams, you would have like a 10 and 2 and 11 1 type of team. Yeah, you would have a little bit better rushing attack that you could sure. provide for uh, with Northwestern. A little bit with rush the passing defense. attack for you know a little bit of pass defense that would be better for Northwestern, but the rush defense for Purdue. Speaking of big plays, uh, Dave Refson on Big Ten Network. He always has a bunch of great nuggets. He does. By the way, he does, man. Uh, fan- and I steal them all the time. I should give him a shout out. Yeah. So I try to. Sometimes I'll I'll say him. I forget to say his name. So I yeah. want to. Dave. And Re- I just like Dave in general. He's great. He just is perfect for that role. Even though he's there. a Northwestern guy. Yeah. He's, but he, he was born in Champagne. Okay. From Champagne. That's something. Yeah, that's, that's something. something. But anyway, he pointed out this is the seventh time that Northwestern has given up thirty plus points this season. That's insane. And, and that's the most of of any Fitzgerald era team. I mean, it's crazy because 
that 2019 Northwestern team that was just so putrid offensively, yeah. th- this one is getting to be as bad defensively yeah. and total record as that one was offensively. We'll see if the, yeah, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but we'll see if Northwestern does the odd even year up and down one more time where they bounce back, but they got to find a lot of answers in the offseason because <laughs> it has not looked good defensively. Like, would you be shocked if the brand new defensive coordinator does not make it into the offseason? I think we've entered into that. No, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know that I would go after the offensive coordinator because they just don't have correct good a good roster there. But, you know, defensively, Hankwitz just did great things without always having very great talent. It's so this defensive coordinator to me, won't call him out by name, but I think he's used to just having better athletes. And the fact that he, he is having a trouble drawing up schemes that fit the personnel seems like it wouldn't be a good fit to me, but that's something to keep okay. your eye on. How about this? Worst team, Northwestern 2021 or Northwestern 2019? I still say 2019. You think so? The offense was that putrid. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But yeah. the defense was pretty solid. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a toss-up for me right now. I would say 2019. Uh, with the win, Purdue moves to 7-4 and four overall, 5-3. and three. I think that is interesting because Purdue has been on that 6-6 six and six train whenever yeah. they made it to a bowl. Right. They're going to go into the bowl game no matter what with a winning record. You know that but, they're going to finish with a winning record. So good for Purdue. Yeah, and and not only that, they they'll be heavily favored in their game next week. One would against think. Indiana. Yeah, we'll, so uh, we'll get to that. When was the last time bit. Purdue won eight games? I mean, it's been a long, long time. It's been a while. Yeah, it could be back Tiller days. I think it might be. Yeah. Um. But yeah, great job. Yeah. By Jeff Brown and his staff this year. Uh, Jeff Brom did a much better job with his team than Big Kurt and I predicted how his team would go. Absolutely. They have rubbed it in our face all yeah. year long. With the loss, Northwestern falls to 3-8 and eight overall, 1-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Last place alert happening with Northwestern. It could, it could wind up that way. Next game up, Penn State 28, Rutgers 28. Zero. That's right. Not a point from the Scarlet Knights. The Nittany Lions with 407 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 160. Uh, Penn State easily covering the 17 points, well under the 47 with the shutout. And a shout out to me as I hit my Amador double barrel lock of the week to move me to 8 and 4 with the first half under 24. Didn't even know, barely got to 28. Or uh, past 24 on the game. Yeah, and Rutgers pulls the blue Tarski with the 0.0. Oh. <laughs> what well, you know, well, okay, maybe start with Penn State. So Sean Clifford starts the game, but I guess he wasn't feeling great to begin with. And yeah. It's dinged up a little bit. So, so uh, to try to explain that a little bit further, um, my guy Perk and I were DMing. Um, at one point late, I was thinking about putting money on Rutgers plus the points. Yeah. Because it seemed like essentially half of the Penn State roster was puking so or, or ill. 35 players did not play for right. Penn State. 35. And you still hold the other team to zero points and uh, 160 yards of total offense. Hey, you got to give Penn State. I know this isn't going to be a win that Penn State fans are going to remember and talk about for years to come, but... That is a horrible look if they lose this game. Not only do they win this game, they 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 kind of kick some butt. In I think tough scenario, you got to give Penn State a little bit of credit here and James Franklin for nutting up and and having a performance no, like that. For sure. I mean, first start ever for Christian Valu. He played pretty well, I thought. Yeah, the uh, Frenchman. <laughs> from Ottawa. Yes. 15 of 24, 235 yards, three touchdowns. I have him down as, as an Eisman candidate because okay. Stepping in like that, I know it's not right. a yep. tough spot to be in, and he performed really well. So, obviously, Penn State defense played great, but they were helped out by a guy named Jordan Stout. Yikes. His, his performance was pretty stout on this, on <laughs> yes, this particular day. His, his right foot is pretty stout. So, the, of course, this is a, a Dustin Shooty tweet. Yeah. I guess it was a tweet. Or did it, I yeah, think he, he tweeted screenshot it. screenshot tweet. Yep. Okay, but he, here here's Rutgers – Starting position. Yeah. And this is in successive plays to start the game. Rutgers 19-yard line. Rutgers 3-yard line. 8-yard line. 9-yard line. 14. 19. Yeah. Those were the six drives to open the game for Rutgers. And in a struggling offense, when you team it up with punting and special teams play like that, good luck. So you had eight punts inside the 24 <sighs> inside the 10. Rutgers needs breaks 
in order to put points on the board. There was no breaks given by Jordan Stout in the special teams. No breaks given. In fact, their best starting position of the entire game was their 33-yard line. So one that was past the 25, which is, of course, where you get it after you receive the kickoff. Correct. One that was past the 25. When they they let a kickoff go into the end zone and start at the 25, it must have felt like the the field shrunk down by 30% for how much. Um, And after his one punt that only made it to the 33, the next one? Down to the three. Yeah, he was pissed. Oh, my God. The punting in this league is phenomenal. The kicking in general is phenomenal. I mean, you can't argue that there's a better punting league. There's not. There There just is not. Because there's just not. So, all right, let's switch over to Rutgers a little bit. Obviously overmatched here physically, even with the players that were out. But I think just in general, I think Rutgers was a much better team earlier in the year than they are right now. That's fair. Some of that is, is a little bit of injuries here and there. But I think also just a roster depth thing roster depth thing. And I would say uh, at some point um, defensive coordinators on the other team have figured out what, what are the few things that the Rutgers offense can do? And they have absolutely just taken them away. Um, What I was kind of trying to get at is we missed this me and you for the last month, I would say maybe six weeks. Rutgers has made its own new Hoosier line. Essentially, okay. if Rutgers plays a defense that's above average with a pulse, they're screwed. They yeah. can, they can't move the ball. No, like there are other bad offenses in the Big Ten. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we'll talk about one pretty quick here. You know what? It probably but, was it's an Illini line because really they played. You know they they beat Illinois on the road, but they I only scored twenty points. So like line. They, yeah, yeah, because they didn't but score just, a ton, but they didn't get totally stopped either. Yeah, but it's I an think, line. but I think if I think if they played now. Because I think Illinois. I think Illinois over. wins that game I now. Do too. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, that's my point. Is like this was a middling, struggling Rutgers offense. It has been for most of the year. But like you said, injuries, tougher defenses. It's right there, which makes next week even more. Oh God, more of the interesting. I cannot wait for next week. I know. Maryland and it's going to be one of my most favorite games to, to pay attention to. I mean, it might be my favorite non-Illinois game next week. I understand that. I mean, um, and, and, and yeah, we have Ohio State, Michigan. Right. I know. But, yeah. But that's why we're weird. It's it's that sicko committee, uh, that that Twitter handle, the yeah, sicko that, committee. I've, they should pay big attention to the uh, Rutgers Maryland. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Parker Washington six catches, seventy two yards, a touchdown. Jahan Dotson three of fifty two with one. I believe I heard yesterday. Uh, Penn State has won every game that Jahan Dotson has that scored at least one touchdown. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah. So in the end, I mean, we we did kind of. Uh, by the way, shout out to. Uh, uh, Rutgers linebackers Drew Singleton and Tyshawn Fogg combined for 24 tackles, wow. a sack, and 2.5 tackles for loss. Those two have been Singleton. again good luck trying to get first team All Big Ten linebacker this year. Oh, you know, it's but insane. but Singleton has been playing great lately. By the way, I, I'm I'm glad you brought him up because he needs to get some kind of recognition. Fogg, we've talked about a number of times. We haven't mentioned Singleton that much. He's playing great with the injuries that they've had at the linebacker position. He's Absolutely. filling in, doing a great job. With the win, Penn State moves to seven and four overall, four and four in the Big Ten. I still think they're one of the top twenty-five teams in the country. I do too. When fully healthy, uh, with the loss, Rutgers falls to five and six overall, two and six in the Big Ten. You might hear those exact same records here in about two or three. You games. know, you know why they're a top twenty-five team? Eye test. <laughs> I mean. A healthy Penn State eye test is a top 25 team. Yeah, they are. No doubt about it. All right, next game up was the 2021 Eyes Bowl. Iowa 33, Illinois 13. The Hawkeyes with 255 yards of total offense to the Illini's 312. Uh, Illinois covers with the 12 and a half. My lock of the week. It was was Illinois. Boy, it was it was a it was not just a backdoor cover. It was a backdoor backdoor yeah, cover. It was, uh, right. and then and then with thirty eight points as the over under, Iowa almost went over the over under by themselves. So my tweet, th- by the way, when Illinois scored right away, yeah, I'm like, well, you got to like the over here, absolutely, <laughs> right, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, but and then my tweet was, um, so it was I predicted twenty three to thirteen for this game. Okay. If I went and looked, I think there was two minutes left in this game, and it was 26 to 16. Yeah. I was three points off for each team. This was well under, not well under, but it was it was under. Wait, 20s. No, that was over. It was already over okay. at that point. 
Uh, but it was a very much an Illinois cover yep. at that point. Yep. Jack Campbell picks the ball off, returns it for a well, touchdown. Not only and my that. tweet to that was, some people might want to buy Jack Campbell a beer tonight. Some people might want right. to spit in his beer tonight. I don't know if everybody got what I meant. And then the, and then six, seven plays later, uh, zombie Brandon Peters comes back <laughs> after he was he was zombie. Yeah. Then he was reanimated, re-animated. like you yep. said. And then he was back to being a zombie for that last drive in the game. And then he scores, and then it goes back to being an Illinois cover. That was an incredible gambling finish to that game. Well, and not just that, because Jack Campbell wasn't – he knew he shouldn't have scored Correct. on that. So he could have just downed it. He, he thought about it. So then it would have still been an Illinois cover, but then he scored. So it was an Iowa cover, but then it became an Illinois cover. It was yes. the end of that game was wacky. Absolutely. It was like, but uh, analogy would be, you're just at a party having a pretty good time. And right at the end of the party, you're like, let's light this thing up. And you just start doing shots. Just yep. for the, that, that was what they so tried to do. Here's but, what I couldn't figure out. And I'm still kicking it around in my head. I don't have an answer. Was the game not as close as it appears, or was it more close than it appears? Oh, it, was, it was close as it appears. In fact, the first note I have here is go back and look, 2019, 20, and 21. This is the script of Iowa-Illinois games. Illinois has gotten out to a lead. Yes, correct. Or definitely looked like a team that could win the football game. Iowa has adjusted and taken over. Yeah. But in the end, most of these games, last year kind of got away from Illinois, but they've been pretty close games. Yeah, this, I mean, this last it, three years. Yeah, last three years. Let's not go back to four years ago. Right. But yeah, last three years, it's been pretty good. And and I will say for Illinois, this is a second straight game for them. They've come out quick and jumped out to a lead. So I got to give the coaching staff credit yes. for that. But then I got to give the Iowa staff Credit for just adjusting because after the first quarter or so, Illinois just could not get a whole lot going offensively. Yeah, I would say even after the first, definitely after the first two drives, maybe even after the first drive. Yeah. uh, Phil Parker just adjusted to whatever uh, Brandon Peters and the offense was trying to do, and that was it. But I do want to start this out with, I hope this does not come off as like, um, you know, I mean this straight up for how I mean it, but this is just a much better coached Illinois team well, compared yeah, to at the beginning is. of the year, yes. even, and compared to the previous four years. Regime, no doubt. I mean, it's it's not even close how well, much better this team is. Well, but okay, let me let me argue that just a little bit because they they had a ton of penalties. Ten, they did penal- have a ton of penalties for ten penalties for ninety six yards. Penalties were huge. They come out to the ten nothing lead. They got momentum and they let Charlie Jones score on a on a kickoff and t- literally zapped all that momentum in one play. That's coaching. This isn't necessarily coaching, but they dropped a ton of passes. They were not the receivers were not helping Brandon Peters out. That poor bastard. That'll be a theme of this game. But yes, but the the general. X's and O's uh, no, it, from from play from scrimmage. No question better. Is is tons especially better. defensively. Especially defensively. Oh Walter, he deserved that uh increase in pay and, and extension. Um but as a first year coach trying to implement all of the changes that you probably saw, special teams unfortunately might be something here and there. And and by and large, Illinois special teams are obviously fantastic. Right. But the coverage units might be one of those things that just yeah. kind of slip through the cracks. But yeah, shout out to Charlie Jones. Like he has been a spark for the Iowa offense and entire team all year long. A little faster than I think people maybe give give yeah. him credit for. Nice. Like he pulled away from He's Minnesota speedy. defenders last week on the long touchdown play and did it again. 100-yard kickoff return, longest kickoff return in the history of Iowa football. Oh, is that right? So good for Charlie Jones. And um, Charlie Jones hurts even more because Charlie Jones from Illinois. Illinois. Um, yeah, uh, Brandon Peters, zombie Brandy, Brandon Peters to start. Even had his own keeper. At right yeah, he did. The game he did. He did a first down on a third and, down. And I literally said out loud to nobody because I was by myself. I'm like, career over. He's done. <laughs> but, and there was like, again, four or five times where he gets hit. And he just lays there. Is he, does he, he think do it's it for dead. dramatic effect? Maybe he does. Maybe he does. But, uh, he, but so, then he reanimated and it was yep. Brandon Peters, zombie at the end. But I think overall, a pretty good day for Brandon well, Peters. Well, I mean, so he started pretty well. Like I said, the receivers started dropping passes. By the way, he got really fired up at yeah. one point. Uh, 
his tight end. end. When he was trying to one hand catch. And, it. And so I I loved that. I was yeah. like, okay, this maybe this will provide a spark. But but then he cooled off. I mean, yeah. he only finished sixteen to thirty six. To me, not great. To me, what was honestly the most surprising in this game. The rushing totals for Illinois, yeah, um, twenty-five rushing attempts for only sixty-four yards yeah. rushing. That's a two-point-six yard average. So this, to me, is the second week in a row with both Minnesota and Illinois completely different style of rushing attack. But neither team is even attempting to run between the tackles against this Iowa defense. It's all trying to do cutbacks and outside mm-hmm. zone. That wasn't even available for mm-hmm. Illinois. So once it was pretty much solidified that Illinois could not rush the ball. It was just kind of it was it was a slog fest for Illinois to try to move the ball. Yeah, and I I said in the preview episode that I think pretty much for any Illinois game now it just comes down to for both teams how successful is Illinois running the ball. That's going to be the result of the game. They couldn't run the ball, couldn't win this game. Flip side of that, Tyler Goodson had a great game. Iowa could run the ball. Lights out. Yeah, no, about great game. Um, but twenty seven carries, one hundred and thirty two yards. Um, I st- and I'm curious, but. Even with what the stats played out for Alex Padilla, okay? Um, shoot, I thought I wrote it down. Give me one second I, well, I got here. stats right here. Yeah, six. six of 17, 83 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Okay. Yeah. That's not a good stat line. No. There's no excuse for it. With that being said, I still think the Iowa offense looks better under Padilla as compared to Petrus. I mean, I was hoping they'd put Petrus in the whole game. Okay. Um, the drops yesterday were... Illinois were bad. Iowa's was off the charts. I mean, there were multiple drops. I mean, there were multiple drops for Illinois. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who greasing that pig or something. Right. But it was insane. I don't, I don't how know which times. I don't know which team was worse. To be honest with you, okay. they, they were both. I'm, I'm looking at it from an Iowa fan point of view. You're and looking I, at yeah. it from an Illinois so fan. Another time, another case here where Iowa gets outgained pretty easily in the yardage yeah. department, and then they still win the game. It's just what they do. And I know it doesn't work like this, but if you add a 100-yard kickoff return, it, Iowa jumps to 350 power. I mean, yeah. special teams' return yards are a part of this. Charlie Jones is a weapon on both punt return and kickoff return. It definitely played into the field position and how many points were on the uh, scoreboard. Another person that um, uh, had something to do with the points on the scoreboard, Caleb Shudak, four out of five on field goals, with yeah. his only miss being over 50 yards. He was huge in this game. And then a shout out to the punters, which which Darren, the American pointed out to us after he listened to the podcast and said, let me get this straight. The eyes on big podcast, the AKA punting podcast failed to mention the punting matchup. We had between the Iowa and Illinois punter on last week's pod Again, it's something that we're just going to have to we're going to have to live with the rest of our lives. It's I know very, it's very depressing. shame on us. I'm, I'm going to go through the punning stats here real quick. Okay. So, by the way, ESPN usually it takes them a while to upload how many punts were inside the twenty, but it looks like they actually did it this at, at this point. So, Blake Hayes seven punts, three hundred thirty-one yards, a forty-seven point three yard average. Three of those seven inside the twenty-yard line. And let's take a quick look here at what Tory um, Taylor uh, Tory Taylor did. Just scrolling down here, Tory Taylor four punts. 186 yards, 46.5 average, and two of those inside of the 20. And there should have been one inside the two if the if the so, coverage would have right. Would have been so able that to catch that it, was but. a great punt, but it ended up getting a yeah. touchback. But that wasn't on him really. Well, because we've had Iowa's had injuries in the secondary, it's moved Stingers up into the um, uh, defensive backfield, and it takes him away from special teams. And it's little things like that that make a big difference on a football. Yeah, I team. wish we'd have done some sort of side bet there. I know. Some, some sort of prop bet. There was a tweet I sent out where right at the end of the game, uh, Tory Taylor and Blake Hayes gave themselves each a nice little side hug. Yep. Where I like to think they seek each other out because game respects game. So that was a nice moment for me. I mean, all I could think of, because I'm a, I'm obsessed with the early era of baseball, the 1900 to 1920s, and I just thought of Ty Cobb meeting up with Honus Wagner in the World Series, the two two of the greatest of all time, two goats <laughs> just talking talking their crap. <laughs> With the win, Iowa moves to nine and two overall, six and two in the Big Ten. Very much alive to get to Indianapolis, and at nine wins, that's a half uh, win over their Vegas yeah. eight point five prediction. With the loss, Illinois falls to four and seven overall, three and five in the Big Ten, but very much alive for a bowl. They are technically f- not technically. It is my belief that they are in the 
upper percentages to get to a bowl game if they win next weekend. Well, yeah, if they win next weekend. Right. You know who they're playing, right? I understand. Okay. There's still something to fight for in Illini. Okay. No, there is. Because, I mean, that would mean something. Going to a bowl Absolutely game. Even, even only at five wins. Especially, I mean, oh, God, I just I can't get over Maryland, that Maryland, Maryland game. Just can't get over Me it. too. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrel. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and as always, hashtag ask. For Amador. Next game up, Wolf, Michigan, 59, Maryland, 18. The Wolverines with 503 yards of total offense to the Terps, 359. The over-under was 56.5. Michigan did that all by themselves, easily covered the 15. This was all Michigan all day long. I mean, it was 31-3 to at halftime. Yeah. Now, Michigan's been pretty much a juggernaut all year, but I feel like they're just – they kept gaining steam as so, the year goes on here. So Dustin Shooty put out a tweet. I feel like me and you have been doing a pretty good job. Um, I feel like we've been ahead of the curve a little bit here with saying, hey, everybody, lay off the Cade McNamara slander. Um, yeah, he's great. Blake Corum, I think, could have played in this game but was held out because I think they felt comfortable enough winning the football contest. So the rushing attack was partially not as dominant no. as it has been because I think Maryland was doing everything they could to put the game in Cade McNamara's hands. So what did he do? 21 of 28, 259 yards, two touchdowns. Like, essentially, when they say, hey, Cade, it's time to go make a play. And, like, he's he's more than a game manager. Oh, absolutely. He's just a good quarterback. I mean, honestly, all I hoped for him early in the year was to become a game manager. Now he is a game winner. There you go. Don't you think? From game manager to game winner. I mean, he he literally transitioned from kind of not a good quarterback to a game manager to a game winner. So basically, he's steadily improved. He's steadily improved. You know what I think? You know, I think a big part of what his quote unquote issue is, he's being compared to what Ryan Day era quarterbacks do. And if you compare any quarterback for the most part, unless you are talking an Alabama quarterback, it's just not there. I mean, no. Like, the other 128 teams in FBS, Cade McNamara does pretty good ranked against those teams. No those, doubt. Those quarterbacks. No and doubt. In fact, when we were talking about Aiden O'Connell being the shoe-in for second team All-Big Ten, is there a little bit of battle between... Yeah, I could, sure, I could see that. But the thing he has going against him, well, no, I guess both of them, neither of them was great early on in the year. Right. So, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm not really sure why they're playing J.J. McCarthy. I do like J.J. He was 5 of 5. Yeah. One touchdown, no interception. Yeah. I'm not sure why they don't just hand it over to Kate at this point, but I don't know. I'm just not sure what they're thinking with the rotation build, there. Build into the future. It's something that they've – I mean, and to a certain degree, it's now – if it's not broke, don't fix it with this rotation. This has been the rotation they've had since the beginning of the year, so why completely yeah. stop, go away from J.J. I mean, at this I guess point? That's, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe – I don't know. But, and by the way, another thing I was wrong about Josh Gaddis, like the players were giving him a ton of credit after the game in their interviews. I, maybe I was wrong about Josh Gaddis. We could be. We're, we're known to be wrong sometimes. At least we admit when we're wrong. It, it seems like we are. And I think there's some Michigan fans that have been wrong about Josh Gaddis. And I think there's some Michigan fans that have been wrong about Cade McNamara. I yep. mean, basically, like the way Michigan looked going into this year. And the way they do now, they're actually should it should be a bigger story. I, I mean, this it is should a be. ten win team. I don't know they got a big game coming up. Don't get me wrong; that'll, you know, how that game goes is going to definitely, you know, leave a sour or good taste in the mouth of many. But still, at this point, even with losing to Michigan State, with the way things look going into the year, I gotta think Michigan fans are pretty happy. Oh God, yes! And not only do they look good football wise, they looked good uniform wise. So you love those blue. I bridges. love those blue britches. Okay. I think and that's more of a you thing than me. And I like I, so I asked bridge. I asked our guy Jordan, he likes them. Okay. I don't dislike them. I just I'm more of a traditionalist and I like the yellow pants. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I don't I guess I don't want it to become their standard. I still want the the maize pants to be their 
Standard. Twice now they've done it, though, right? It's twice, yeah. twice this season. Donovan um, Edwards, by yep. the way, 10 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. That was amazing. Yeah. Most ever receiving yards by a running, Michigan running back in a game. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Henning had that great kickoff return there. He's finally flashing. The guys, yep. we knew he had speed. He's from uh, Lincoln Way East High School in Illinois, and they had that little that little uh, pitch back to him, and he was gone. Gone. Man. He's got that track little speed. little wrinkle in the offense that maybe they uh, – want the next team to have to think about right. a little bit switching over to the other side. Um, I don't know. Every time, basically what we talked about in the last, last podcast is anytime Maryland plays a good team, they get boat raced. I mean, really that's do. what it has been essentially all year long. Um, Tulia still gets his uh, 19 yeah. of 33, 178 yards touchdown, not, not touchdown to pick, not his typical, no, not a great game, but I, he's a competitor. I like that guy. Oh, absolutely. He, he's a good quarterback, and, and I think he's a good leader. Um, so you pointed out the good good team thing. This is part of the locks lockup. I'm not sure if that we haven't really figured that out, but, yeah. I mean, they're fully engaged in the locks lockup yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, it says essentially, again, this is something that we should have recognized on this pod or as a handicapper. Maryland plays a mediocre team, bet Maryland. Yeah. Maryland plays a good team, bet the other team. Yeah. You'd have won, you'd have, I think you would have won every single bet you played that this year. Dave Rebson, again, pointed out, this is a good nugget, that Maryland is 0-28 versus Big Ten teams that are ranked Holy as God. a part of the Big Ten. Since they joined the Big Ten, they are 0-28 against ranked Big Ten teams. Wow. And then the other thing I would love to know, I wonder what they are ATS in those same 28 Gosh, teams. that'd be awesome. I bet that? they're not good. 24. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's very not pretty. High. I don't want to say like, there's just, it, we just, it has been essentially the same Maryland team that we see here. Um, they ran the ball decent, 44 carries, 181 yards, 4.1 yard average. So yeah. that's something positive sure. to see. Especially against Michigan. Right. But the defense has steadily decreased as it's again i think we said on one of the podcasts it's like they've decreased eight percent every week as since about week three yeah i mean definitely the defense has regressed more than the offense but i think the offense has kind of done the same thing i think that's fair maybe they've regressed four percent yeah every game maybe not quite as much with the win michigan moves to 10 and one overall seven one the big 10 with quite a big game coming up next week with the loss maryland falls to five and six overall Two and six in the Big Ten, which is completely identical to Rutgers. It's going to so be awesome. What winner, a showdown. The winner will go to a bowl. The loser will be second to last in the Big Ten right in front of Indiana. And probably get knocked out of a bowl. Not necessarily with the five. It looks like there's going to be five win teams that qualify. Yeah. Or at least, at but least I, Illinois has the highest pecking order they do. in the Big Ten. Yes, they do. Academics, so. Correct. Next game up, probably the game of the day. Wisconsin, 35 Nebraska, 28. The Badgers with 397 yards of total offense to the Huskers, 452. So Nebraska wound up, we added it plus nine. It was plus 10 by kickoff. Either way, they covered. The over-under was 42. They went way over that. Okay, so let me let me break this down, okay? Nebraska had more yards. Yep. An untimely Martinez turnover in the game. A really bad call by Big Ten referees. Oh boy, so and Nebraska loses by one score. I mean, it's how many times have we seen this? And and and, a, and a, another single digit loss. I don't know if right. it's a one, one score, score loss, loss, right? But eighth single digit loss of the year. Oh, okay. So I believe what I heard on, I believe what I heard on the Husker Cuzcast. Or it might have been the Husker football fan. I'm sorry, guys. I know you guys are both friends. I can't remember which one it was on. But I believe they tied the record for FBS for one score losses in a season at seven. Okay. So single digit losses in a season would be eight. There would be one more. Uh, But they're tied with one game to go. What I was trying to like. So they've tried a lot of different things before the season, during the season, to try to get out of this funk. Um, Then they went really hard in the paint by getting rid of four offensive coaches to try to shake things up. We're big into Seinfeld comparisons. Remember the stinky car? Oh, yeah. Like, everything they tried to do to to defunkify the car, nothing worked. That's essentially what Nebraska fans feel like with however these outcomes of the games come out, it always looks the same. Well, and don't forget they gave up a, a kickoff for a touchdown. So another special teams meltdown. They had some some pretty key penalties that that hurt them on on multiple drives. But I you know, I want to talk about that 
that pass interference. The non pass interference. So call. I jump right to it. Yeah, because that was such bullshit. It Look, was a bad call. I mean, at this point, I just don't. It's not even. It's not even up for debate. Like, okay. like I told Jim on Twitter, it's like watching a young kid barge in front of an old lady in the checkout line at the supermarket. It was just obvious how bad it was. It was obvious, but you know, I I know. Nebraska fans think that the refs are against them. And I'm like, yeah, I know you get a lot of bad calls, but generally bad teams get bad calls, don't you think? And Agreed. good teams usually get good calls. Right. So it could be part of that. I'm starting to agree with them. I th- th- this That was egregious. And I know it's Wisconsin, and they usually get the good calls. Right. But I, I'm, I'm fully in Nebraska's camp on this whole officiating okay. thing right now. Well, here's what I want to differentiate. There are two things can be true at once, okay? Nebraska is getting screwed consistently by the refs. No doubt. But I also don't think there is a conspiracy by no, the I refs don't think, to screw Nebraska. No, I don't think the Big okay. Ten se- like, holds seminars in the offseason about how you can you know, subtly screw the Huskers in-game. Okay. I don't think they're th- at that point yet. There is a yet. decent percentage of Husker fans that believe that is the case. I don't think that's the case. But if I were a Husker fan, God rest my soul, I would probably feel the same way because it's just another outcome. Like, and that's a big play. They would have gotten the, I think it was on the 20. So it would have been half a distance. They would have had a shot with first and goal at the 10. Right. With, they probably had two more, uh, enough time for two was or it, three more plays. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like 15 seconds. I was going to say it was like 15, 20 seconds. So. And so it's not like they would have hundred percent won the game, but they would have had a shot at right. winning the game. And it was, it was or tying away, the game. Tying anyway. the game. It was taken away from them. It was taken away. It was yeah. bullshit. I, um, something that Wisconsin or something that Nebraska was not able to take away was the rushing attack for the Badgers. Braylon Allen, 22 carries, 228 yards, three touchdowns for the Big Ten West player of the year. Um, offensively, him or David Bell? Uh, yeah, I think you'd probably err towards David Bell, maybe more like a body of work over his whole career. Right, like he gets a lifetime achievement. And he nod. had two 200-yard right. games. I think I'd give it to Bell, but he's in the conversation. Braylon Allen meaning. Braylon Allen is in that conversation, definitely. Yeah. Now, I had wondered, you know, Nebraska has done a pretty good job against good running backs this year. Woo. Yeah. Not, not so much but this game. But when it's more of a – it seems to me that when it's more of a hat-on-hat uh, thing uh, Juan and I were having this conversation offline. They don't match up quite as well, hat on hat. Michigan was able to have quite a bit of success rushing the ball. Mm-hmm. Another thing I'd like to point out too, didn't bring it up on the last podcast. Jojo Doman had to medically yeah. retire. You can't tell me losing. I mean, I think Jojo is the heart and soul of that defense, yeah. or at least to a certain I think degree. So. And I think that showed yesterday. But with that being said, the Wisconsin rushing attack has steadily improved and figured things out over the past four to six weeks. It was just another showing with that. Um, because of it, Graham Mertz is looking like a Wisconsin quarterback yeah, at this point. 12 is. of 18, 145 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. That's not a great stat line, but there was definitely times in the game on key second longs, third downs, he made the throws that were there. Essentially, Graham Mertz is doing what he needs to do. He's doing exactly what he needs to do, and I think it's obvious now, looking back, it, the reason he was so – ineffective is just because there was nothing to balance out the passing game early. But now that it's not an issue, this looks very much like a Wisconsin team we're used to. You and I both had privately hoped that there was no running back to take over the baton from, but there he is, Braylon Allen. I can't remember. I apologize who the Nebraska fan was, but she was like, death, taxes, uh, Wisconsin running backs. And I replied back, I'll take the death and taxes, please. (laughs) Um, By the way, we had Braylon Allen, who is still 17. I believe... Is it's January. Uh, he turns 18 in January. Get out of here. Yes. Turns 18 in January. Wow. He had a big day. Also, so did Barry Alvarez's nephew, yeah. Jake Ferguson, with a huge game. Had like 80% of the available passing yards in this game from Graham Mertz. With that being said, as good as Braylon Allen was, the combination of Leo Chanel and Nick Herbig uh, combining for 18 tackles and uh, two tackles for a loss. Leo Chanel is just, I mean, he does what Leo Chanel does. Love the guy, but you got to give Nebraska's offense credit. They got 101 yards rushing, and I had asked on the preview episode, this is not the conventional running attack that Wisconsin is used to seeing, so could they ding them up a little bit? And that played out. Yeah, I mean, they had 101 yards on a 2.9-yard average. They dinged up Wisconsin's defense, which is the only way to ding up Wisconsin's defense. Through the passing yes. attack, Adrian Martinez, 351 yards in the air, one touchdown, but two picks. I mean, essentially, 
they just kept running so many outside zone plays. They were running kind of double double option plays. One running back one way, one running back the other way. That's how they were getting some yards. Then they would run play action off of that. They kept booting Adrian Martinez yep. out of uh, the line of scrimmage to get him open. And what did he do? I mean, he threw the ball downfield. Austin Allen, seven catches, oh, man, he was 143 good. yards. He's making a push for all Big Ten for yeah. tight ends. And then Samari Torre kind of doing what yeah. Torre does. Seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Long story short is... Uh, uh, it, what Wisconsin wants you to do is they want to pull you into the uh, phone booth and beat you up. Yep. And, and Nebraska's offense said, screw you, we are getting outside of the phone booth. And for the most part, when you wind up with um, 452 yards of total offense and 350 yards passing, your offense is by and large doing its job, but the turnovers hurt, the yep. penalties hurt, but really in the end, this fell back more, I believe, on, on Nebraska's defense. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. Um, one more, here's another nugget, another Big Ten Network nugget. I had to rewind this like three times and read it and make sure that I was reading it properly. The last seven times that Nebraska has surrendered 200 yards rushing to a, to a running back, to a single running back, have all been against Wisconsin. Oh my God! How is I could I like I I mean, it, I, mean I hear you say, but it, is it really that surprising either? I mean, I guess it's not that surprise. But so there's obviously something. But the thing is, it doesn't make sense about that. Is it hasn't been the same defensive coordinator no. the whole time. But it has been a three four ish. Um, um, I mean, it was kind of the peso defense before that, which isn't exactly a three four, but kind of similar to it. So. Maybe doesn't match up too well to the yeah. Wisconsin behemoth offensive yeah, line maybe, to just run right at yeah, it. Maybe I mean, there's got to be something to it. There's just too much consistency. Right. With, with the win, Wisconsin moves to 8-3 and three overall, 6-2 and two in the Big Ten, the only team in the West that controls their own destiny to get to Indianapolis. With the loss, Nebraska falls to 3-8 and eight overall, 1-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Last place alert. I would think Nebraska fans would be very big Illinois fans on Saturday. Yeah. Just in case. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they'll know their their uh, fate on Friday before they get there. But next game up, Minnesota 35, Indiana 14. The Gophers with 391 yards of total offense to the, two, to the Hoosiers, 218. Minnesota easily covering that seven. Thank you very much, Gophers. And the over of 43 uh, went over that almost on their own. Um, anyways, it was pretty much the game me and you were expecting. Yeah, I don't know how Vegas got this so wrong. Two two weeks in a row. I mean, I I picked the Illinois game as my Amador lock, but this is the other one I was really going to pick. In yep. fact, I kind of like this one better. I just kind of did chose the Illinois one for a fact. Yep. I actually liked this, game, this spread better. I don't understand what they were thinking. And I understand Minnesota was on the road. Okay, and it was a sandwich game between Iowa, between two trophy yeah. games, Iowa and Wisconsin. But my read on this was that Iowa or uh, Minnesota, oh, sorry, Minnesota needed this win. I understand that it was between between two trophy games, but you you did not want to go into the uh, uh, Wisconsin game with two straight losses or three straight losses if they would have lost the Indiana game. Yep. Minnesota had no choice but to focus on this game. Slow start, right? Indiana got off to a 7-0 lead and then promptly scored the next 35 points in oh, this game. Gosh. I mean... It was a bloodbath. I, Indiana is... They're done. They're toast. Like, they're totally like, toast. Like, when... I mean, our guy was was chewing ass on the sidelines. I mean, a couple different times. <laughs> um, crazy Tommy. Um, there, there was quarterback, not quarterback getting pulled. I mean, yeah, McCulley completely ineffective. Yeah, only throwing three. the ball. You uh, can yeah. run the ball. Yeah, he can. He can run. Yeah, sixteen carries, seventy-two yards. But yep. throwing the ball three of seven with two picks, and then Grant Grumble comes in, and quite frankly, he was was wasn't that much better. No, no. didn't look good. They just, yeah, they. They're done. The season's over. It, it's been they, over. They, for they a packed it weeks. in. They folded in a yeah. few weeks ago. As a, as a prognosticator, you have to find the teams that have just quit. Temple's another one. Little uh, little hint, uh, tip there for you. Um, the Hoosiers are one. It just and and I was a little bit nervous. Like at the beginning of the game, did they find some fire? But once Minnesota pushed back with their rushing attack, that was it. Um, speak and then passing attack was good too. Tanner Morgan. Yeah. 14 to 20, 196 yards, 
two touchdowns and wide receiver Chris Ottman Bell overdrive says you ain't seen in nothing yet. Four catches, four hundred or four catches, forty four yards, two touchdowns. With one of those touchdowns being an incredible catch when he was getting interfered with and still made the play. Essentially, they got near the red zone and just threw it up to Chris Ottman Bell and he made the play. Well, another man with three names: Brevin Span Ford, three catches, sixty seven yards. He had a pretty good game. Love those men with three names for the Gophers. Yeah. So there are always one or two of them showing out. Uh, speaking of, rushing attack was pretty much what you expect the Minnesota rushing attack to be most of the time. 48 carries, 194 yards, three touchdowns. The young duo just keeps doing what they're doing. It's it's typically a cutback. It's typically just kind of leaning on you as the game goes. I know it drives some Minnesota fans nuts, but... By and large, it has worked. It, it it inexplicably didn't work one time in September and then when they've played really good games, but uh, really good teams, excuse me. But other than that, even with all of those running backs being out, the formula has by and large worked for Minnesota all year. Yeah, but I will say 4.1 yards per average is not what we were seeing earlier in the year. And, you know, this is historically a good Indiana defense, but... I, they have given up, too. I don't right. think the defense is yep. busting a grape right now. So I guess for me personally, I want to see a little more out of that running game. Okay. Um, I do. Four and it's going to be tough with – I mean, they're probably squeezing every bit of juice out of that orange that they can right now with the two young running backs. Right. I mean, obviously, if everything was the same – but you had Mo Ibrahim, the average would be much higher. Oh, it would be fine. They'd be fine <laughs> if they had Mo, more. yeah. Um, Tanner Morgan, um, he did not look good versus Illinois. He looked a nope. little bit better. Versus Iowa, yep. he looked a little bit better versus Indiana yesterday. Oh, absolutely. 14 yeah. to 20, two touchdowns, no interceptions, really effective. Uh, average of 9.8 per attempt. Yeah, that's what, exactly that what, you, that's what you want from Tanner Morgan. That's Very what you hope to get. Day. With the win, Minnesota moves to 7-4 and four overall. I believe their over their win total on the year was 7. So they're yeah, that's right, right on it that's right now. 5-3 and three in the Big Ten. Very much alive for the Big Ten West race next weekend. With the loss, Indiana falls to 2-9. and nine. Oh, and 8 in Big Ten. Our only winless team in league play. Next game up, the Big Ten game of the week was not. Ohio State 56, Michigan State 7. The Buckeyes... <laughs> I have the Buckeyes with 6,555 yards. That's a typo. But it, <laughs> it sure it seemed like, like it. It felt like that. 655 yards of total offense. Sparty with 224. An easy cover of the 19 points, but goes under the game total. Unbelievable. The, 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 the one team scores too many points, so the game goes under Corrallery. 56 to 7. Kurt? I haven't seen a beating like that since somebody put a banana down my pants and let a monkey loose. Uh, I mean, this was over, I don't know, late in the first quarter, I would say. I'll be completely honest with you. I sent a tweet out. It was seven to nothing. And then, then Ohio State's defense decided it was going to show up and they, and Michigan State had to punt. And I sent a tweet out that said, I know it's early, but yikes. Like I felt very early in this game that Ohio State was just dialed in. So, yeah, I mean, I want to talk, obviously, great offensive performance. They could have put up probably 1,000 yards if they had really wanted to. No, no, no. They could have put up 1,000 yards if they wanted to. I think so. I mean, what did they finish with? 655? 655. They weren't even trying in the second half. Weren't even trying. I mean, they literally pulled everybody. So we will talk about the offense. So I want to focus on the defense because, you know, early in the season didn't look very good then they started looking better but then they still tripped up here and there I feel like this is evidence that when they really need to play well they can do it yes and so this gives me if I'm a Ohio State fan this gives me a lot of hope that they can they can beat an Alabama they can beat a Georgia and and what do you want to do as a football team that has very high aspirations peak at the right correct are they peaking at the right I mean it sure seems like this is their best performance nine tackles for loss for the Ohio State defense and this is a lot of the Ohio State naysayers which there are a lot by the way there is a lot of Ohio State naysayers the main knock against them was the competition they were playing up to this point Mm -hmm. wasn't very good and they they could have looked better versus Penn State they definitely could have looked better versus Nebraska but by and large they've looked really good this was not a mediocre offense this is an explosive offense 
that they absolutely shut him no down. No answers. Absolutely shut him down. Nobody could. All those great playmakers. Not Dude, not one of them. Uh, Kenneth Walker had six carries in the game. Their rushing totals were twenty one carries for sixty six yards, a three point one yard average. Listen, I know this is going to sound crazy because the stat line is fourteen of thirty six for one hundred and fifty eight yards, one touchdown, and no pick for Peyton Thorne. In all honesty. The pressure that Peyton Thorne was under and the no the the absolute no available rushing attack that he was given, I honestly thought Peyton Thorne did all he could yeah, with what he was handed to he him. He kind of did. I thought he had gonads of steal in this game <laughs> he as did. much as possible. He did, yeah. But you want to talk about steal, gonads, or whatever. Oh, my God. C.J. Stroud, 32 of 35. 432 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. Almost all in the first half, or well, maybe it He had was. 400 yards and six touchdowns in the first half. It was I know in that. the first half. The six touchdowns. Yes. Were, I was yes. thinking maybe he threw one after the no. half. Um, set an Ohio State record with 17 straight completions in this game. And so you're like, oh, yeah, they're dinking and dunking down the field. No. 10 of those 17 were deep throws. Dude, it, it is. Okay. I'll f- it, it, like, I, I should have probably turned to different games to watch. Because this was over, I, I could not take my eyes off this. It's so amazing to watch this right they, now. They had three wide receivers go over 100 yards receiving in this game. I don't have the updated stats, but they could have three wide receivers get 1,000 yards on the air this Absolutely year. Absolutely insane. Speaking of, three wide receivers in this game with over 100 yards and a touchdown in the same game, first time that's ever happened in Ohio State history. Yep. Here's my question to you. Is that the first time it's happened in history? It might be. It we got somebody's got to look that. I mean, pretty but, much anything before 1980, nobody's ever done that. Yeah, but I'm wondering. You know what I'm thinking? You know, the first thing that came to mind is those Houston, Houston teams. Old Houston, yeah. I mean, I bet my guess is they did it. Andre Ware, Andre Ware, and then uh, David Klingler after that. Okay, we'd have to look that up. By the way, rushing, yeah, it was fine. 43 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns, a 4.8 yard average. I he- I hate to cre- keep making the same comparison but it is this is ncaa football 2014 not your first year with the team this is by the time you're at your fourth or fifth year you've already won like a national championship or two you're getting any recruit you want Mm -hmm. and you can just run whatever offense you want and just light it up that is what ryan day is doing right now except it's with real life human beings okay so and some of them are 19 years old so obviously offense played great obviously defense played great Special teams, they didn't even need them. No. <laughs> but one penalty for five yards. Just to make it that much clearer. I mean, talk about a well-oiled machine here. They had 36 first downs, which is impressive considering how many big plays, plays they, they had. had. I, that, I well, have, they had 6,555 yards of offense. Well, I mean, so. that explains it. But, I mean, they, they out-possessed Michigan State 38 minutes to 22 minutes. <laughs> Dude, I don't even... This is a total juggernaut. It was an... I mean... It's insane. I don't. I don't even know and, what to say. And I like that you like, said. Is, I, I, and which is crazy because of how much we fawned over Justin Fields the previous two years. I think this is the best offensive output since we've been doing this podcast for any Big Ten team. I mean, considering the competition, yeah. I mean, and not that Michigan State. I mean, we knew Michigan State had a bad passing offense going into maybe this. Maybe some that's, of that's why we threw out the 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 game with total passing yards in this because we figured it would be a high number and you know just yeah. kind of fun to look at. But even that, four hundred you know yards in the first half, just it's insane. I don't know what to say. And you know that I was just in awe at that that Chris Olave catch, the over the shoulder one, oh and that gosh, I, I'm as awe as I was at that catch. The ball placement. Oh my god! That CJ yes. Stroud is performing right now. I, it's it's amazing. I, it's I almost mean, like you couldn't even walk the ball to the guy any you better. Could, you could not. In <laughs> his ability to to climb in the pocket, reset his feet, it, it's just so fluid. And it just. <laughs> I, don't know what to say. I mean, as a non-Ohio State fan, it's just so frustrating. They never miss. You know, on on their recruits, they just never miss. It is a combination of. Obviously, finding the best talent. We know they do that. But it you have to put the talent in the right positions yep. to make plays. They're, they're as equally at good at X's and O's and development as they are at recruiting. I agree. That is why we see the juggernaut. Brian Day still has not lost a Big Ten game. God. 
I think he's 26 and 0. It's crazy. Versus the Big Ten. That is crazy. It's a pretty good football league, man. And it's not just because it's the Big Ten. It's because it's Ohio State and what Ryan Day has assembled. Well, by I, the way, I'd like to give a shout out to when I was going to a the wife and the boys and I were going to something I can't remember what it was family thing, um, and uh, uh, there was it was the day after Ohio State lost to Oregon. And there was an Ohio State fan that called in that said, C.J. Stroud sucks. He's not oh. the answer. Ryan Day can't win in big games. He is not a gamer. Oh, my Throw goodness. Throw this bum off. I swear. To, I swear. That, that was. Oh, just walk I, off. I don't know how that guy's doing. Back off from the ledge there, buddy. I bet he's feeling pretty good. Yeah, I think he's probably feeling okay. He probably denies ever making that. But there was, there was a lot of Buckeye <laughs> fans that really were, were you know ready to jump off the bridge. After, After that Oregon, Oregon game. And they were, and I did think that Stroud was showing, you know, signs of maybe struggling. Yeah, I mean, a, a little, little bit. bit but, but, it was like, but he was still playing pretty good for the most part. I mean, I mean, his first two starts were on the road versus Minnesota right. and then Oregon. Yeah. Who's turned out to be, I mean, I know they got boat race yesterday. It's a pretty good football yeah. team. Um, anyways. It's going to be a great this game. This is a pretty next... good football team. I yeah, mean, but... we'll talk more about it next week, but in some capacity, God, I want to see this Ohio State offense versus that Georgia defense. Oh, gosh. that'd be it, If we get robbed that, of that as a college football fan, yep. it, it's an injustice. With the win, Ohio State moves to 10-1 and overall, 8-0 in the Big Ten. With the loss, Sparty falls to 9-2 and overall, 6-2 and in the Big Ten. But, hey, Sparty, I mean, still a pretty good year. All right, Week 12, Eisman. We'll give a uh, shout-out to the Frenchman, Christian Valu. <laughs> 234 yards, three touchdowns. Aiden O'Connell, 423 yards, three touchdowns. All three Ohio State wide receivers. Yeah. JSN, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Tip of the hat to you guys. Braylon Allen, 228 yards, three touchdowns. A 10.3-yard average, by the way. Wow. Um, a Penn Mil- State defense. So did you, is that on your list? Penn State defense could be on there just, yeah, across the board. Milton Wright. Yeah. Turned into uh, Rightlyville in, in Chicago. Um, uh, but in the end, dude, C.J. Stroud, it is time. Yeah, he, he probably could have gotten... He, probably a, a handful of these, right? and we didn't give it to him. C.J. Stroud, 32 of 35, 432 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. He is the weekly Eisman, probably the candidate for the yearly yeah. Eisman at this point, probably a candidate for the... Heisman yeah. at the end of the year. Unfortunately for Kenneth Walker, the outcome of that game for his yeah. Heisman hopes could not have gone any worse. There it's is probably over for really him. only one Heisman candidate in the Big Ten right now, and he was playing quarterback for the Buckeyes on Saturday. Yeah, and he had three incompletions and six touchdown passes. <laughs> I mean, just another one to throw out there. We'll probably dig and find more stats before we record next week. And I don't know. I should go back and watch. Were, did, were any of those throwaways? Or drops? I don't remember. <laughs> Probably. Insane, man. Totally insane. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.